What is going on? Happy Friday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. The email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show.com and uh, the phone number is 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, King Charles III is going to be talking to uh, his kingdom. Uh, I think it's at 1 o'clock. Uh, so, Will, it's historic, right? It's a historic event. This has had, I mean, we have not, if you are like under the age of, uh, what, like 112, you have not seen this kind of transfer uh, in in the monarchy, uh, you know, the, the head of state there. You've not seen it uh, in your lifetime. I haven't uh, because I'm younger than 112. So, I, I know, it's been like 70 years. So we will join that in progress. We'll listen to a little bit of it. I don't know how long he's going to speak. Um, I'm assuming he's going to be a little bit more punctual than our leaders. So that probably will start at 1 o'clock. But we are usually doing our newscast. Well, we are doing our newscast at 1 o'clock. So as soon as we start the second hour, uh, we'll, uh, we'll dip into it. We'll join in progress or jip it, as they say. We'll jip it. Um, so we'll join that in progress and then we'll just take our normal break. So we'll listen to a little bit of it. Now, look, if, if, you know, Chuck wraps it up, uh, within eight minutes, nine minutes or so, then, uh, we will have heard uh, most of the speech. I am not, I'm going to put all my cards on the table here. I don't follow the monarchy stuff. I don't, I, I, I recognize the historical nature of, uh, the queen's passing. I do recognize that. I know it's a world event. I know a lot of people are, are sad. I get all of that. I'm not minimizing that. I'm not going to talk ill of her or anything else. I'm not even going to talk about the people who did talk ill of her. There's no point to it. Although I did just find out in the newscast, they have a 10-day mourning period. They're going to mourn for 10 days, which all of a sudden now I love the monarchy. I need 10 days off to mourn too. Dang it. I should have thought this through. All right. Uh, anyway, back here at home, we've got... Um, the silly season. It is upon us. Labor Day marks the official, uh, well, end of summer, but more importantly, the beginning of the political season. Uh, and uh, I, I have said this about a great many things political. My wife, Christy, she is my canary in the coal mine. If something breaks through, comes across her radar in the world of politics, then I know that uh, the story is breaking through. To a great many people. And so what broke through to her yesterday was all the political ads that are on TV now when she's getting ready in the morning and she's watching the TV and she's like, I can't watch it anymore because it's there every ad uh, or every commercial break. They're all political commercials now that we're being bombarded. You're being bombarded. Um, so, you know, the silly season is upon us. Down in South Carolina, the woman who won the nomination for uh, the Democratic Party uh, to run against uh, or lose against uh, U.S. Senator Tim Scott, the incumbent Republican. You may recall her name is Crystal uh, Matthews. Sorry, Crystal represent. She's a state representative, Crystal Matthews. And during the primary, I played the audio of her having a conversation with an inmate that got recorded and then leaked out 
to Project Veritas. And in that conversation, in that audio tape, she was talking about getting drug money. I'm not kidding. She's talking about getting drug money to fund her campaign. And and this guy that she was talking to, she was hoping he would act as the conduit for said drug money. But Democrats, they picked her. And so she won the primary. And so now she's the nominee. And now you got some Democratic lawmakers and uh, poobahs down in uh, the the Democratic Party establishment in South Carolina. And they're they're not happy. They would they'd very much prefer that she bow out now, particularly in light of another audio recording that Project Veritas has posted up, which, by the way, she does not really have a good explanation for this. The South Carolina Democrat vying to lose to or uh, sorry, to uh, beat Republican U.S. Senator Tim Scott is facing calls from within her own party now to fold her campaign following the publication of additional leaked audio in which she appears to make disparaging remarks about her constituents. Remember, she's already a sitting lawmaker. The calls for State Representative Crystal Matthews uh, to withdraw just two months ahead of the general election came in reaction to leaked audio published by... It's not leaked. This is uh, Meg Kennard at the AP. It's not leaked audio. It was an undercover sting by Project Veritas against her. It was published by conservative activist group Project Veritas of... Crystal Matthews speaking to one of its members without her knowledge. Okay, so if you've seen any Project Veritas undercover sting video, it it's very much like that, right? They get they have a hit they they wear a camera and a and a mic and they go in and usually they from what I understand it sounds a lot like uh the guy or the people they usually target somehow they're either at conferences or they're at bars. Have you ever noticed that? And I kind of get the feeling like, I know, I I know the uh, the entry plan for Project Veritas on their stings. I think I understand the tactic. I think I, I'm j- I'm just guessing here, but I'm thinking that they use women or hire women. They're not using them. They're they're hiring women or or having a, a woman pose as a date, and that's how they get some of these guys to talk on uh, at the bar talking about. Uh, all the stuff that they're doing because, you know, they're on a date and they're trying to impress this girl. And so they're like, oh, yeah, we do this. I do this. Oh, I'm in charge. And she's like, oh, really? That's fascinating. And so she'll ask all these follow-up questions and the guys are like trying to impress her. And so they just go on and on and on. So I'm not sure who the undercover person was here, but uh, sitting in a restaurant, Crystal Matthews is heard saying that she represents a mostly white district, adding, quote, about the white voters, quote, I keep them right here, like under my thumbs, she says. Otherwise, they get out of control like kids. <laughs> this, this is how she's talking about her constituents. She says, you ought to know who you're dealing with. You got to treat them like uh, poop. You got to treat them like poop. That's the only way they'll respect you. What? Is this all constituents or is this just your white constituents? Good Lord. 
And so now you got these other Democratic officials. They're saying, uh, yeah, you need to bow out because they're afraid that they're going to get some of that on them. They're afraid she's going to act as a drag down ballot because she's running for U.S. Senate. She's going to be at the top of that ballot. And so they're afraid that people are going to go out, vote against her. She's going to inspire higher turnout and everybody down ballot's going to lose or a lot of people down ballot will lose. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. South Carolina Democrat Crystal Ma- uh, Matthews. She is... I don't know why I'm having such a difficult time with her name today. Crystal Matthews. Uh, she is uh, the U.S. Senate candidate running against incumbent Republican Tim Scott. And an undercover video of her at a restaurant talking to a... Uh, a member of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe's uh, guerrilla uh, uh, videography or what do you, uh, political op, whatever. I don't know how you describe it. I mean, they, they do journalism. As much as it pains you know, legacy media outlets to acknowledge this, Project Veritas does, in fact, engage in journalism. Okay? Uh, a lot of reporters used to do very similar things. Um, like, for example, the uh, undercover video of Mitt Romney and the 47%. Remember that? That was deemed to be journalism. Anyway, Crystal Matthews tells this member of Project Veritas that she represents, she's black, by the way, and she represents a mostly white district. <clears throat> and she says, I keep them right here, like under my thumbs. And she does the thumb thing there. Otherwise, they get out of control like kids. You ought to know who you're dealing with. You got to treat them like poop. But you didn't say poop. That's the only way they'll respect you. Which is interesting. She's a, she's a Democrat. And she treats her white constituents like poop, she says. I wonder if Tim Scott agrees or disagrees with that. Because Tim Scott, he's black also. He represents white people too. I wonder if he thinks the same thing. That he has to treat his <laughs> his white constituents like poop, or they'll get out of control like kids, and it's the only way that they respect him. Is that is that the case? I never found that to be the case. I, but you know, what do I know? I'm just a radio host. In a statement, Crystal Matthews acknowledged that's her voice on the recording. Yes, she called Project Veritas a quote st- uh, satirical MAGA powered news outlet. MAGA-powered news outlet. Okay, first off, Project Veritas has been around long before MAGA. Project Veritas has been doing work for a very long time. They took down Acorn, remember? So uh, I don't think that's true, but I, I, I wonder, maybe I'm misreading this. Again, just a radio host. It's possible that uh, the MAGA-powered, maybe that's, maybe, that's like, uh, maybe that's like the MAGA Ultra. Or ultra mega and mega light and uh, you know new and improved berry flavored mega. Maybe it's just a different flavor of the mega. I was just unaware. I look they they keep coming out with these new lines of mega and I, it's hard for me to keep up. So, uh, but I do find it interesting. She calls it satirical. Uh, uh, misrepresented. That is uh, that that is not satirical. 
You saying the things that you said, not satirical. The website, not satirical. This is not the Babylon Bee. Oh, maybe she thinks it's the Babylon Bee. The compilation also features more of Matthews' conversation, parts of which were previously published by Project Veritas, in which she spoke to an inmate about funding her campaign with, quote, dope boy money, drug dealer money, and having Democrats run as Republicans, saying, quote, secret sleepers represent the only way you're going to change the dynamics in South Carolina. That was part of the original uh, audio release, too. At the time of the earlier release, ahead of the primary runoff, Matthews confirmed to the Associated Press that it was her voice on that tape, too, but she said the edited audio of a tongue-in-cheek exchange did not reflect the full picture. Mm-hmm. Because there are many ways you could interpret her asking the guy in the jail cell to try to get some drug money to fund sleeper cells to run as Republicans in order to change all of the dynamics of South Carolina. <clears throat> right, so uh, right, just a misunderstanding. You guys... Selectively edited. So, Matthews won that runoff. She's now facing Tim Scott, who, by the way, says this is uh, his final Senate term. But he is among South Carolina's most popular politicians. I think that's because everybody respects him because he treats everybody like poop. Right? I think that's the standard. (laughs) The... The black Republican is widely expected to win the general election in South Carolina, where no Democrat has won a statewide race in more than 15 years. Right, because that's how racist South Carolina is. They keep electing the black Republican to office. Right. Um, Democrat gubernatorial nominee Joe Cunningham said he agrees with State Representative Justin Bamberg, also a Democrat, who published an op-ed online calling Matthews toxic. State Senator Brad Hutto, Democrats' leader in that chamber in the state Senate. Uh, He also uh, ran against Lindsey Graham in 2014. He said she needs to reevaluate her candidacy. Trav Robertson, chairman of the state's Democrats, emphasized that Matthews did not represent the party's uh, perspective, but stopped short of urging her to quit her campaign, which he said was, quote, becoming a distraction to other Democrats on the ballot. Becoming a distraction. You know what would be be a huge distraction? If reporters started asking every single Democrat on the campaign trail to play the D or D game, right? This is the game we all know Republicans are forced to play. Every time a Republican says something stupid, everybody else has to play D or D. Defend or disavow. Defend or disavow. Hey, some backbencher in some state clear across the country said something stupid. Do you defend what they said or disavow what they said? So I'm wondering, is, it, is that going to be the game that now Democrats are going to get forced to play in South Carolina? I'm not holding my breath. Now, Matthews, in her statement, did point out that regardless of race, quote, I love everyone, she said. I treat everyone like poop. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that last part. She said she has no biases towards a certain ethnic group. That's obvious, she said. Obviously, I have no biases towards a certain ethnic group. <laughs> okay. Who are you going to believe? Her or her? You decide. South Carolina. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 
Oh, hang on a second. I'm getting a call. No, I, that, no that's fine. I'll take it in a minute. I'll, yeah, I'll take it in during the break. It's, uh, yeah, that's Senator Burry. He's got some stock tips for me. That's No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. If only he would give me his stock tips. Court records released Tuesday reveal Senator Richard Burr avoided an estimated $87,000 in losses and gained more than $164,000 due to his completely coincidental but well-timed stock sales at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's see. 164 plus 87. That's a 1. Eh, carry the 14. Minus the 70, and uh, it looks like it looks like about a quarter of a million dollar net benefit there for him. $251,000 by my back-of-the-envelope math, which is weird because I don't have any envelopes here. But $251,000, that's a swing because he avoided eighty-seven grand in losses and made $164,000. So the, the, the total net gain there by avoiding one loss and racking up uh, benefits, then you got to add them together. I am. So $251,000. New information, according to the News and Observer's Danielle Battaglia, new information about a now-closed insider trading investigation into Burr and his family came to light Tuesday with the release of documents related to a search warrant that allowed investigators to seize and search his cell phone. Oh, there he is. He's calling again. I'm just saying, something must be happening here. No, I'm just kidding. The Los Angeles Times first reported the Department of Justice investigated why Senator Burr sold more than $1.6 million in stocks at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. I remember talking to somebody at the beginning of this. This was a Republican, I'll just say that. And the person, we were talking off the record, and the person says, uh, what is up with that? Why would you do that? <laughs> just... And the theory uh, that I'm going with here, and this is just a theory, I do not know, uh, but just my theory on this is that he's not running again for re-election, and uh, he's trying to get a little something-something on the side for his retirement, right? He, he needed to make sure that he's going to be able to pay the repair bills on that Volkswagen thing that he drives. I mean, we know he's not buying socks because he doesn't wear socks. In the, okay. Um... The court document, no, that's kind of his thing, don't you know? Like Senator Burr, everybody did all of the, 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 the bios on him, all of the, you know, hey, let's follow Senator Burr around for a day. And, oh, my gosh, he doesn't wear socks. He's so unorthodox. And, um, and he drives the Volkswagen thing. Do you know what that is? It's a car. It's not the bug. It's not the van. I had one of the vans. I had one of the, the buses. Uh, it was a 1978 it's a terrible year for the bus. Terrible year. Well, it has to do with the manifold that they did on it. It's a triangle connection, and then they did it 77, 78. Okay, I've said too much. Anyway, the thing is the uh, it's it it almost looks like uh it's like a convertible Jeep. You know what I'm talking about? It's got the rag top, right? The 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 cloth top on it. And um, it looks like uh well, I mean it's a it's a German, uh, you know, it was a Nazi Germany kind of vehicle for the war, the thing. I think. Right? Wasn't Volkswagen? Okay. Anyway, I'm not saying he's a Nazi. I'm just saying that, that it, it looks like 
it looks like a vehicle that a Nazi would drive. No, I'm just kidding. It looks like it's the thing. It's I like those cars. I looked around for them. They're very rare. So he has one. I think it's orange. Um, the Department of Justice, though, they did an investigation, and now we get some of the documents here. And I got to tell you, I am kind of curious as to why the investigation was closed and nothing happened. Because reading through some of this data, uh, like if I'm Martha Stewart, I'm hacked off right now. The Department of Justice and the SEC both investigated Burr and his family. They have not filed any charges. The Justice Department probe produced the newly released documents. It was completed. No charges filed. So on January 31st, 2020, take yourself back. January 31st, 2020. I'm thinking back. I had just been riffed. I had just been let go in Asheville. January 31. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar II uh, declared COVID-19 a public health emergency in a news conference. Burr sold nearly all of his stocks and about 61% of his wife's stocks on January 31. And then about two weeks later, on February 13th, the January 31st sale occurred before the announcement by Azar. His brother-in-law, Burr's brother-in-law, uh guy by the name of Gerald Fouth, or Fouth, Fouth, F-A-U-T-H, Fouth. Uh, he told his wife's broker to sell a significant amount of their stock within minutes of speaking to Burr on February 13th, so two weeks later. The sale of their stocks on the 13th of February happened nearly simultaneously. That was less than a week after Burr co-authored an article published on the Fox News website stating that the U.S. was better prepared than ever to respond to a pandemic. Which, by the way, like I, at the time I said, look, what he said in that, um, in that op-ed, I, I mean, I could make the argument, this is sort of the noble lie argument that a lot of the defenders of Fauci make about the, the mask guidance. You know, don't go buy the masks, they don't work. And then turns out, okay, I lied, but it was a noble lie. I was trying to make sure that we didn't run out of supplies. Like, you could make the argument that he was trying to reassure a frightened public, even though he himself was selling everything, even though he knew better. Well, Look, if you're going to apply the noble lie logic to Fauci, then you have to hold out the opportunity that maybe Burr was acting in a similar fashion. The court records indicate that Burr may have received information related to the pandemic that was not yet public. Remember, he said at the time he was just watching a lot of uh, what CNBC. Yeah, he just watches Jim Cramer a lot, and so that's uh, that's why he was selling. It's not legal for a member of Congress to use non-public information through their public positions to trade stocks, unless your name is Nancy Pelosi. Not long after all the calls. Burr authorized the sale of his stocks. A bunch of sell orders came from his wife's account. Um, Then they kind of detail all of the different amounts and the stocks and all that. Three hours and 40 minutes after the sales on January 31st, Azar announced uh, the public health emergency in a White House press briefing. During the start of this period, February 13th, Burr directed nearly all of his wife's stocks be sold from their IRA account six days later. As the pandemic 
uh, as the seriousness became clearer, the market experienced a dramatic and substantial downturn. FBI agents tried to interview Burr at his North Carolina home uh, on March 28th, but Burr refused to talk with them, which, I mean, honestly, can you blame him for that? I mean, assume he did nothing wrong. Do you blame him for not wanting to talk to the feds? I would give that advice to everybody at this point. Email to Pete at the Pete Callender show.com. This is from Dan in West Columbia, South Carolina. Insider traders. Imagine that. Nobody's heard anything about Aunt Nanny and Uncle Otis Pelosi and their stock trading activities. Have you? I've not heard Uncle Otis. <laughs> uh, no, I have not heard. He is going to have the, uh, the breathalyzer machine on his car, though. I don't know why that's... Well, I mean, it's true. Um, Senator Burr, I remember Senator Burr was an okay guy. This is from Tim, I believe. Uh, yeah, Tim. I remember Senator Burr was an okay guy when he was a representative in the House. Uh, when he went to the Senate, he changed, especially when he was chair of the Intelligence Committee. He would not respond to any communication from regular constituents like myself. Maybe he considered himself above the hoi polloi, much like John Edwards and Queen Elizabeth Dole. By the way, the last time I personally saw Senator Burr, he was driving a BMW X5. I guess he likes those German vehicles. That's that. I mean, they do make good cars. Um, well, I do recall now, uh, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure if the thing actually still is running. I remember seeing a picture of it being towed, but... You know, it's an old Volkswagen. That's kind of the jam. When you buy a Volkswagen of that age, you have to build into your budget the the towing fees because it's going to happen, especially if you don't live around a lot of hills. I'm just speaking from experience. If you, I mean, because you could, with the old ones, you know, they got the stick shift and you could get the thing rolling down a hill. I would always park on a hill, always, because I never knew, I mean, my, uh, my ba- my uh, alternator wouldn't charge the battery, and so I would always have to kind of roll start the thing. You know, do people realize that? You know how the, you know how to drive a stick? Yeah, Chris does. He's Chris is of an age as am I, where uh, we have one foot in the old ways and one foot in the new ways. So you know how to drive a stick shift, a manual transmission, and I'm sure the kids today, the kids today, they wouldn't even know what that is. They probably don't even. Like they well, they may have some awareness of it from the Fast and Furious movies. They see the people that are driving doing something, but they're not really sure what they're doing. But it makes the car go faster, you know. You ever notice how often the people in the movie shift their their manual shift? Like you don't need to. You're already out at the top end. Why are you? What are you shifting? There's there's always another gear anyway. Uh, yeah, I'd always park on a hill because if in a manual uh, transmission, you could put it in neutral. So you're not in first, second, third, fourth, whatever, or drive for the kids today. You're not in D. And so uh, you just leave it in neutral and it would start rolling. And then as it got rolling, you could what's called pop the clutch. Pop the clutch. The clutch is that third pedal. If you ever get, 
Car thieves, if you ever get in a car and you see three pedals, just go ahead and get out because you don't know what you're doing. You're not going to be able to steal that car. I know the doors are unlocked, but you can't steal it because you don't know how to drive it. So the clutch is that third pedal on the left, and you would press down on that to engage the the transmission into first gear, second gear, and you have to push it down, yeah, every single time. Whenever you're changing gears up, down, whatever. And so you could go in neutral, start rolling, and then put it into a gear, keeping your foot all the way on the clutch, put it into second, and boop, and you and then you just pop it. You you let go and gas it at the same time, and and it would start the engine up. That's how I used to start like 95% of the time I would start my old Volkswagen bus. But I do remember seeing the thing getting towed away from, you know, the the you know the Senator's parking spot at some point. It's been years, though. So maybe he doesn't have the thing any, anymore. That's possible. But uh, love the, I do love the look of those cars. I love the old Volkswagens. I, yeah, like those and those engines, you could actually, I could work on them. I, I literally bought a book called Zen and the Art of Volkswagen Maintenance, I believe is what it was called. And uh, it, it told you how to work on and how to care for, I mean, to some degree, it was a bit over the top. Like the guy told me to like, like wipe down all of the, the tools after I'm done working on the engine. Like, come on, man. Like, you think that's going to happen? I know you care for your tools and they'll take care of you and that sort of thing. But, but it was pretty cool. You could work on the engine. It was really small. You could work on the engine. And if you drop something, as I was prone to do, it would just fall right through. Because it wasn't all jammed with a whole bunch of stuff. And so you could see the, you know, the pavement and the concrete below. And so if something fell, it would just land on the ground. And you could just reach down and pick it up. Nowadays, you drop a screw or something or a tool into the engine compartment, you're screwed. I, mean, I don't know if you'll ever find it. I don't know how I got on this topic either. A reminder, though. All this month, Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, we're doing the third annual Little Heroes Blood Drive. Go to WBT.com. Make an appointment for uh, your trip over there to the doghouse, the Jack Daniels doghouse at Minton Moorhead. Uh, look for the One Blood Big Red Bus. We're trying to beat childhood cancer. Kids need the blood transfusions while fighting cancer. So if you could help us out, go to WBT.com. Thanks again to Affordable Siding and Windows and Jamison Realty for all of your support. And thank you, too. 